Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Podcast Strikes Back. My name is George and you're listening to the weekly movie show with the boys Connor. Hello. That's it, man. We're still one man down and one day, two days late. Many apologies, folks. It's been one of those weeks, Benny. You know, Benny keeps us in order a little bit and... No, he doesn't. No, he really doesn't. He's (laughs) he's, he's a mess. I've never seen or known anyone to be less regimented in my entire life. <laughs> but um, yeah, you got a little bit sick. And yeah, that was actually my fault. Unfolded. I was unwell. So, I'm sort of better today, so that's good. Well, hey, and now we're here for the weekly show. I mean, can you be any... Is this the pinnacle of your week? You're supposed to say yes. 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 Nice. Yes. That's it, bro. That's yep. it. Listen, guys, we've got an awesome show lined up for you. Some interesting news. Taika Watini's back to Marvel for four. Four, four, Thor, four. John Favreau's uh, got a few tidbits about the Mandalorian, and we got a couple trailers later on with the King's Man, the prequel. I mean, we wanted it. No, we didn't. Maybe we did. Who cares? Let's move on with what we've been watching this week before the news, Connor. Um, any any gems this week? No, no gems. I did kind of. Uh, I picked up a, a series that I had watched quite a while ago, but. Um, I think they had just, I had kind of run up to wherever they were releasing it at the time. And so kind of stopped for a while. It's, uh, the blacklist with, um, uh, James Spader. Right. But this, this is not on my radar. I mean, it doesn't have to be, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not, I'm really not across James Spader, you know? Yeah. I, well, he's had a couple of iconic TV roles and I always really enjoy him. Like um, on screen, I think I would have watched Boston Legal, God, at least five or six years ago. But um, really loved that show. I thought it was really clever um, and really loved his performance in it. Um, And it was funny because I I got up to about halfway through season five of of The Blacklist. And I've recently, you know, finished off season five and I'm into season six. And I was thinking to myself why I enjoyed this series or why I was watching this series because it is the pinnacle of like the episodic, we've got to catch a criminal this week. Um, you know, the same kind of like catchphrases at the beginning, um, you know, kind of tropes like that. It's like, why do I care about this show? And honestly, it is the intrigue around James Spader and the world, well, the character that James Spader plays. It's the only thing that really keeps this series interesting and alive um 2013 it kicked off six seasons 133 episodes it's it's like a serious Fuck, amount of uh of episodes are you getting in there are you gonna do it all i think there's there's only six seasons right yeah 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 so i'm halfway through season six. Oh wow okay yeah i was already right. through five oh, and a half okay, seasons okay. by the time that, that i, I got that. to this yeah all right gotcha do you ever listen to me never what's going no. on here? <laughs> um so yeah it's it's look it's it, it it's overly convoluted. It's in, incredibly episodic, but there's something, like I said, there's something about James Spade's character that kind of hooks you. And I think that anyone that's still watching, that's probably why they're watching. Nice. Which is really interesting. It's really interesting to see like a, an actor carry a show, like literally like just, that's the only really thing you tune in for. Just that one performance. Well, yeah. he's a great performer, and uh, you know the only real reference point I have for James Spader is Ultron, and uh, I loved his performance in that. Yeah, it, he plays 
I, I don't want to say the same character, but there's definitely a, like a oh that's Spader-ism. James Spader. Yeah, like there's mm. there's definitely something to the way that he performs. Mm. It's kind of a little bit. Um, he's got interesting inflections in the way he yeah. delivers lines. Yeah, he's a he's a guy that's very good at monologues, mm. which made him perfectly suited to Ultron. Yeah, really. so many monologues. Yeah, you uh, this week I I um I really love a YouTube channel called Red Letter Media, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners um are into and they have a show called review and you know they go do retro reviews and i chucked it on one and it was a john carpenter film called in the mouth of madness um from 1994 um stars sam neil and uh i was like this looks awesome it's like a horror um thriller lots of practical effects got a bit of a twist on kind of a stephen king author talking about the reality and the manifestation of reality. And anyway, put this on and I was blown away, dude. I was like, this is, this is it. This is where it's at. (laughs) Like, this is my perfect kind of movie, man. Like it's, it has a much stronger first half. The the second half kind of, it, it meanders a bit and comes together nicely at the end, but like it kicks off with this song, like this metal song comes in and he wanted to get, I found out later that he wanted to get Metallica into Sandman as the song. And it sounds uncannily similar. Like it's like John Carpenter's version. And then, you know, John Carpenter wrote all the music in his films. So now I've started listening to his albums because he's had this whole career resurgence where he started putting out albums. Um, And they're really, really fantastic. Like, got that very 70s 80s synth vibe um it's killer man so i'm just on this john carpenter binge i'm in i'm really in a good spot right now man like i wish you were where i'm at because this is this is a good place to be (laughs) just so self-pleased with yourself but it's it was um it was so nice i never heard of this movie uh, in the mouth of madness and it was so cool to get like a real just a just a nice little gem of a 90 mid 90s horror thing that just ah it worked for me man yeah worked for me so bad and i'm sure it would work for very like a lot of other people wouldn't enjoy it but um man i got a kick out of it so that's awesome uh i'm i'm got this newfound appreciation for john carpenter and i'm kind of working my way through his catalog now yeah how good so that's it folks thanks it's been a good run Great show. Yeah, um, we're that's out. it. That's, that's, that's where we're done. Cheers. No. Um, no do you want to do the news? Yeah, I'm doing the news. Just get your head, get your dirty get Canadian my head, hands off head that shit. Uh, first up, guys, Taika Waititi is in the hot seat to direct Thor 4 for Marvel. And uh, unfortunately, this is the end of Akira, seemingly, or at least Waititi's well, delayed version. again, which is not the first time it's happened. So Now, this film... Like we can talk about Thor four, but let's quickly focus on Akira. Yeah. This film has been plagued by um, so many production problems, and it's never gotten off the ground. And I thought this was it. I, we reported on this a few weeks ago. Yeah, we said, well, Akira's like going. Genu- well, it was really interesting because we didn't know how this was going to work. It was a really interesting um, director choice, but um, it, it seemed like more of a sure thing, like for once. And now it seems like that's going back to the drawing board. And I don't know. They've just said it's who delayed. Do you get in, who do you get in to replace someone like Watiti? He's got such a unique vision. I think they'll delay it until after Thor 4. I, I hope that's the case. Just put it on the shelf and let him finish his thing yeah. with Marvel. Um, but the interesting thing is that he also had um, he had another project as well that got delayed, right? The Hitler. Um, Did that get delayed? That got canned. 
So he's had a few things. I didn't where, think that one was canned. Uh, okay, I hold it was up, a different hold project up. that was canned. I think uh, that one's still going ahead. Oh, sorry, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit. Um, we'll release this fall. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's still a go. And yeah. uh, the director plays Adolf Hitler. Sorry, I'm thinking of the Michael Jackson I one. I thought you were, yeah. 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 Um, so that's coming out. Okay, my bad there. But it's a real shame. I'm really bummed out that uh, Akira's not happening. And I thought yeah. that through his lens as a director, he would have been a great guy to bring I've, Akira to the live action I've never realm. seen Akira. You poor um, sod. I know, right? Um, but it kind of seems like one of those impossible tasks, really. And in a way, it is. He he seems like more of a director that that doesn't want to paint within the lines. So I would find it very, I think it'd be almost kind of interesting to see how he would handle adapting and you know uh, um, an existing property, and not even just the way with Thor, because Thor he still got to create his own story. He was just using an IP, but Akira would seemingly he'd have to use the story as well. And that to me, I would find you know. It'd be interesting to see how that plays if out. If that would limit him or, yeah. or... And even if you look at Thor, like Thor made some massive... Like we're talking about Thor 3, sorry. The one that... Um, Ragnarok, yeah. Ragnarok that he directed. Um, that one even made some pretty major character or character changes. So I, you know, I, I'd be interesting to see what he does with Akira. But at the same time, I think that's such a dangerous... Or not even a dangerous... It's such an interesting pick for a director to um, handle a... Um, a remake. Yeah, you can't bring a bog standard director to Akira. You have to bring someone with flair, vision. You don't want like because you know, Steven Spielberg. Uh, I couldn't. I, I don't in, think that's a good choice. <laughs> I really don't. In the uh, in the, just because the Akira bike was in uh, Ready yeah, Player One. Yeah, that's exactly what. That's I was the thinking. reason. That's the criteria I'm working on there. Yeah, I, I feel like if you do a bog standard live action retelling, a la a Disney live action remake, Akira will not work and it will bomb. <laughs> And it'll be an incredible waste of money and time and effort, I feel. Yeah. Um, anyway, what about Thor 4? I mean, this was kind yeah, of on the, the cards, story. right? Um, I yeah, thought really I, I kind of thought this was a done deal. So I was sort of, when Akira happened, I was like, oh, that's really interesting that they're not re-signing for, for Thor 4. And it seems like... Has Taika Waititi done a straight up sequel as of yet? Uh, I don't believe so. No, yeah. he's, he's done Hunt for the Wilder People, Boy, Thor. I mean, Thor is a sequel. But a sequel to his yeah, I mean initial more film? of a sequel to his thing. No, I don't I've believe always so. kind of worried about sequels as the kind of the death of you know inventive storylines or or um, not even like, not even um, that. It's it's such a trap though. This because, classic case is um ah the latest Bonds uh a little bit yeah Spectre I, and Skyfall same director but a clear and there's obviously a lot of variables in there but yeah. I find that with sequels... It wasn't a done deal. The, I thought it was a done deal that was going to be as good as Skyfall and it wasn't. Yeah. I find with sequels, the issue is that you're always going to be pressured to make um, the explosions bigger, the um, you know villains more sinister, the, the twists more spectacular. And if you just... If the sequel is just the original turned up to 11, I think that that wears off pretty quick. Um, so I, you know, for one thing, I think it's really interesting when you bring in different directors to do sequels. Um, it has its pros and cons, but I think it's an interesting way to go about it, particularly within the Marvel universe. Um, but with uh, with this, it's just like, I don't know, like I, I always get nervous when, when directors 
go back to a property like that. One that and and there are some again some notable exceptions like for example um in uh in um Endgame and Infinity War. The Russos. The Russo brothers. While those are technically sequels, they were shot as one movie. So it's, you know, a little bit different in that sense. I could just see people being like, you know, Russo brothers did those movies and those were great. And yeah. Yes, but there's yeah, there's a lot there's to caveats it. to it. The I feel like Chris Hemsworth, you know, he really needs to hold on to this Thor character. And I feel like he's actually really come into his own. You know, Thor 1 and 2, eh, pretty standard character, Ragnarok, um, Infinity War, Endgame. You know, we're really expanding upon this character and, and, and adding a lot of depth to him. So I'm, I'm, I don't feel like that character's gassed out. I feel like there's a lot more to tell. Um, and I feel like the creative vision they have for him um, is set up to, 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 to really kind of propel forward. So I can imagine there being four, Thor 456 done by YTD. I, I, I could definitely yeah. see that happen. I definitely think that the character has more legs to it. Um, oddly enough, I think he's had probably about the same amount of screen time as Captain America and um, maybe even Iron Man, um, realistically. But for some reason, it doesn't feel as though there's a, a proper close to this character as yet. Yeah. Um, I think that is because it, you know, the character has gone through such a transformation that it is actually really interesting to, to, um, kind of maintain with that character. Yeah. But I, I, um, I, once again, upset that Akira's not happening, but I'm keen to see Thor 4 with Watiti at the helm. Yeah. I'm keen for Watiti to come back to Marvel. I'm keen for Thor 4. It's all like lining up nicely. It'll be interesting to see if they bring in as Guardians of the Galaxy as a stopgap well, in between them. What's going to happen there? I figure that that was what was going to happen because he it's it's set up for for you know kind of essentially as Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. um, which if they go straight to Thor four, I'm not entirely sure that makes sense. Yeah, it would kind of suck if it was just like. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 doesn't have Thor and Thor 4 doesn't have Guardians of the Galaxy and there's no kind of like, oh, they just went their separate ways. Like, I want to see a bit yeah. of banter. I want to see a little mission or something. Yeah, and they, they well, they set it up at the end of Endgame. Like, yeah. it just kind of has to happen. Yeah, agreed. Story number two, folks. Do you, do you want to uh, oh, yeah? either talk to yourself or we can edit this out, but I'll, uh, I have to go blow my nose. Yeah, yeah, go do it, do it. Uh, story number two, folks, John Favreau. The, the amazing John Favreau says he's already writing and pre-shooting The Mandalorian Season 2. So The Mandalorian, of course, the Star Wars TV series that's coming to Disney Plus later on this year, one of the flagship shows of the platform. Uh, he's already into Season 2. So this is, this is pretty interesting. Um, this obviously means that Disney have a lot of confidence in the first episode, uh, sorry, the first season, and um, they're ready to commit uh, to another season. And the commitment is high because uh, they're paying around 10 to 15 million per episode. Uh, so in an eight episode season, you know, it's a hundred plus million to invest. So they must be sure that this is working. Um, really, really interesting here, uh, but kind of a no brainer in a way. Um, Disney have been very overzealous in a way with uh, Star Wars, uh, Rogue One, Han Solo, uh, and obviously the trilogy, the sequel trilogy that's come out. And um, 
Uh, Have you just been talking to yourself? Yeah, it's been great. What a weirdo. Uh, uh, I've just been <laughs> what talking. What a freak. I've just been saying um, that uh, season two is coming for The Mandalorian, Mandalorian. And it's not even, you know, this is the flagship show for season whatever that, the Disney Plus is launched. That's a lot of confidence in this show. Yeah. And you I know mean, they're that's paying a lot of they're paying ten to fifteen million per episode on this production budget. Yeah, so that's a huge investment. I think Disney in general seems to be moving towards TV shows, um, which is not a terrible idea in terms of um, if you look at the way that um, content is being consumed these days. I mean, Game of Thrones was the biggest thing for the last you know eight eight or so years. Um, you know. When people talk about, you know, movies or TV shows or whatever, like whatever is in the kind of the zeitgeist, it's, you know, it's Chernobyl, it's Game of Thrones, it's, um, you know, The Walking Dead, like, you know, whatever it is that has captured people's uh, minds and all that. That's the medium people are going to. So it's not surprising that um, Disney is investing in that. Yeah. And there's also another angle to this where they don't have to split a cut with the cinema distributors or whatever. You know, yep. I pay a subscription fee to Disney Plus and they take 100% of that revenue. Uh, so the model works not only in the way like people consuming content, but also in terms of the the kitty for Disney. They, they, they can yeah. take more dollars. Um, are you pumped for this? Have you seen, there's some leaked footage from- I've, um, I've seen some of the stills. I haven't seen much of the footage. Um, it looks- absolutely killer man it looks good um i don't really take that as a an indication that it's going to be good um yeah, the, in terms the of, production design looks fantastic um yeah but that yeah, looks great that, that, but star wars has never really been lacking on that definitely not i mean han solo is probably the best looking star wars film if not one of the best looking films of all time solo solo yeah, yeah. and um yeah the story's not there. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, that's kind of what concerns me more than anything is just, um, look, uh, you know, hopefully they pull this off. Um, and I really, I, I genuinely hope they do. Because um, I think that'd be really cool. But um, yeah, I'm not holding my breath on this. There was a very interesting character in that footage where he's, um, so this, this show's set between episode six and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so post Return of the Jedi, and there's this uh, former Empire um, officer or you know commander, and he's like holding on to the, this notion of the, the the Imperial Empire when it's completely gone, and and there's the remnants of the Empire, and this very interesting layers that they're bringing in that I, I'm quite excited for them to explore, mm. and they hope they do it in a sophisticated way that makes the Mandalorian kick so that you know to get season two i, I hopefully i i'm i'm excited for season two yeah once one's all said and done and hopefully they explain how everyone has somehow just forgotten about <laughs> <laughs> the existence of jedi and yeah. well i mean star wars has never really been consistent with that no nah. in, in in between the time from the prequels to um the originals they had somehow forgotten about all jedi they've gone 30 years ago yeah and this is gone gone I don't know how so, no yeah. one picked that up, but <laughs> when they were uh, writing no it. No archives. Yeah. You know that library um, on Coruscant? Gone. Gone. <laughs> and then from, um, from you know, the originals to the new films, somehow, like, the they've forgotten again. Yeah. They had time to not only build a temple or build a new school for the Jedi, but also had time to destroy it and then make everyone forget about it. 
um, don't don't think about it too maybe much. Maybe they'll man. explain it. In don't don't think about it too much. It'll <laughs> it'll hurt you. Story number three. We've been talking about this a lot recently. Tarantino says a loophole would allow him to direct Star Trek without it being his final film. So Tarantino, throughout his whole career, he's built this builds up this narrative that I'm only making ten films. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, he's this, this film that's coming out later this year, once upon a time in Hollywood is his ninth entry. So if he were to direct this Star Trek film, it would theoretically be number 10, but does Tarantino want to end this amazing career on uh, a Star Trek film? I don't know. Anyway, he said here, here's a quote from cinema blend. Um, I do have a loophole. The idea was to throw a loophole into it, which would go uh, I guess Star Trek doesn't count. I can do Star Trek, but naturally it w- I would like to end on an original. But the idea of doing 10 isn't to come up with a loophole, actually. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, he's saying, um, you know, he could do Star Trek and then end on an original 11 films. What are your thoughts here, Connor? Do you think he's actually going to do a Star Trek film? And would you be disappointed if that was his 10th film? Be- He'll definitely do a Star Trek film, whether that means it's just him as a writer or a director or a producer, however he fits into that. Um, I don't think there's any question at this point that it'll happen. Um, Famous last words, though. Yeah, that's Um, very confident, man. I feel like this is never going to happen. This is going to be another... I don't know. I I, I feel like, you know... It's just picking up momentum. Yeah. um, Having said that, um, this whole loophole thing, it's like, well, I mean, if you're cited as the director, then you're the director. You can't, you know, can't work your way around that one. So what I think that if he does like a, you know, quote unquote loophole, what that will probably be is um, uh, he'll produce and he'll be a very, a very heavy handed producer. And then, um, you know, get someone either like a no-name to direct or someone that knows him that, you know, isn't really directing. Totally. And he's done that a bunch of times. He did that. I mean, from dusk till dawn, he directed half that film. That's not in, uh, included in part of his um, 10 films, as yeah. it were. He also directed scenes in Sin City uh, with Robert Rodriguez's film. So, you know, I can definitely see it going down that, that way. Says done. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely see it going down that way. I think, uh, you know, I, I personally don't think it's going to say on the poster Tarantino's 10th film, Star Trek no. X. Uh, but, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds. And it's nice to see this is picking up momentum because I feel like this conversation keeps going. It went away from a little bit. It was sort of like, is that Tarantino thing happening? And then it's come back the past few weeks and I'm like, come on, let's get this going. Let's get this shit done. I feel weirdly confident this is happening. Yep. I think so too. Uh, We got some 007 news. Uh, So Lashana Lynch from uh, Captain Marvel could potentially take over the Agents 007 moniker from uh, from Daniel Craig which is in uh, the upcoming Bond 25. Now, this has sort of been talked about a lot. You know, Idris Elba's name has been thrown in the mix. Um, you know, who's going to take the mantle from Daniel Craig? Uh, now, so this is a bit of a weird one, though, because that it's a different conversation to the Idris Elba one. It's not taking over the Bond. It's taking over the moniker of 007. 007. And in this movie, apparently... She gets the moniker like hat or you know at the beginning or halfway through. Yep. 
Um, and this was something that I was thinking about um, a lot, particularly, you know, for the last year or so, particularly since um, Idris Elba, uh, his name was thrown into the, um, to the mix. into the mix. And, and I, for me, it was, there was a, a certain level of plausible deniability around whether all the James Bonds were the same person. Right. Um, and, you know, there was, there's, there's all these theories. You can find them online. It's really cool um, about that James Bond is actually just in itself. J- the name James Bond is a moniker, mm. um, including of uh, or like 007. Yeah. Um, and that all the different actors are, they're actually different characters. Um, the, the, the different people, but it's still the same continuity. Yes, exactly. And that, for the most part, doesn't, like that all kind of adds up if you look at all the films and, and you know, you kind of go like, all right, well, that sort of makes sense. Um, there was a quote, and I can't remember from which Bond it was, where he says, this never happened to the other guy, um, which would go to suggest that there was a different there was James another Bond before. Bond. Shit, so son. That, but there was always that kind of like, is it, isn't it? Because it could go either way, right? But I feel and, like I've never given a fuck with that franchise. I'm like, just go on with it. Brosnan turns, you know, Brosnan, yeah, Craig, Timothy, like, like, like the continuity, the there's, films? No, there's no continuity. Like it, it oh, just, that's continuity. the way I perceive it. Yeah. But I mean, there's a, there's a level of like, it could go either way, right? You, you can, you could look at it from that lens for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then when um, people talk, started talking about Idris Elba coming in, I was like, well, there's an obvious factor to that that makes it a little bit harder to suggest that there are, all the same character and the bond franchise has a perfect out for that there's absolutely nothing wrong with him being like the james bond name is a um is in itself a a moniker and and it just kind of gets passed on yeah um so yeah i was i was quite interested to see how they would progress with that um this one i feel is a bit weird because i feel like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too if you know what I mean, like they're trying, like that, that to me seems a bit weird. Like they're, they're giving the moniker halfway through, but they're keeping Craig and like, it just kind well, of seems like, a you bit- know, what'd be cool is like if Daniel Craig basically becomes M, you know, that would be pretty sick, man. And I would also like, you know what I loved about GoldenEye? I don't think it's the best film ever, but I love that there was 006 in there. So I'd like to see more 00 agents. You know, I'd like to yeah. see maybe like two, three, four of them, maybe even competing for the 007. You know, like can we see something behind the curtain? Um, I always loved that and I wanted to see more and they've never really done enough there. Yeah. Um, in my books. I, I think it'd be really cool to see other 00s in there. Um, but yeah, this... this um, I, yeah, I, I, I haven't really settled on where I, where I sit with this with the way that they're doing this. Yeah. It'll be very much in the execution, I feel, because oh, it, well, yeah, really, yeah. it could really fall flat. Could they pull it off? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely could. Uh, another little bit of news here with Bond 25. Christoph Waltz is returning as Blofeld. <sighs> uh, so he was the one guy and the bad guy in the movie, and he's the bad guy in every movie, and that's what happened in Spectre. He wasn't the bad guy in uh, Django Unchained. <laughs> Wasn't he? So take that. Okay. Or in a little lead up battle angel, whatever it is. Uh, uh, I really incorrect. don't like this, man. I really like, I thought that was such, 
That was one of the weakest parts of Spectre when they tried to make it like, oh, he's blowfog, oh, he's behind everything all this yeah. time. Uh, man, it just like really undid a lot of stuff. And it was kind of like, you guys are trying too hard to make this, well, raising the of, stakes too much. Yeah. That was to add and rope everything together. and It makes it all feel a little bit inconsequential, doesn't it? If it was all the kind of machinations of one person and you're just, it just, it makes all the other films seem a little trivial in retrospect. It's like at the end of Dark Knight Rises where you find out Bane was just a puppet of Talia al Ghul, which yeah. is like, oh, that's a cool twist. But in presentation, it's actually like, wow, he was just a peon. You can't, you can't do air quotes. I've done that like six times already. Yeah. But like, and then like, there are people listening to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, Hopefully that they can hear no, my fingers go. No, no, <laughs> like squeaking. By the way, he yeah. said, it's a good twist in air quotes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's similar kind of thing. Like it, the twist, like it's nice to have a twist. Great that you've had a twist, but does it actually add to the character? Not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, what does it do for the story in general? And I mean, you know, if we're talking about Dark Knight Rises, I mean, that was, you've built this character up. He's menacing. He's, you know, dangerous. And there's an actual opposition between him and Batman. And then to have that kind of just peter out. And then you're like, oh, it's, this is the bad guy. You're like, yeah, but you haven't spent the entire film, you know, ramping him up. And it's, it's a little bit like that for, for, um, for Spectre which is like, I know what you're trying to do. I know that you're trying to make him seem really evil and menacing and all that kind of stuff, but you're just kind of, it feels like you're taking credit. Yeah, it just feels like you're, you know, you're trying to give weight to this character that it doesn't deserve. Yeah, it's like, it's written, but it's not earned. You know, they haven't built it up enough. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, another interesting fact about this, Kerry Fukunaga, who's uh, the the director of this, who did famously did... um, uh man what did he do what was the matthew mcconnell true detective season one did all the episodes in that which was really fantastic he's the first american to ever direct uh a bond film and there's only been a kiwi uh who did casino royale so that's kind of interesting oh there you go a little bit of different flavor in there um has guy Ritchie ever done a if you're talking about iconic british directors negative might be interesting could be Story number five, the final story of this week's Fast and Furious 9 casts another bloody wrestler. John Cena's heading into the Fast and the Furious. It's brave. It's brave of Vin Diesel to cast another wrestler. He, he brought in The Rock. <clears throat> Shit went down there. Well, I mean, the, I mean, arguably, you could argue that The Rock saved the franchise. Yeah, he did. Um, I don't, well, I don't know if I'd say that he did. Single-handedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just George whipping the knee pads out for the rock. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, the, knee pads. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, <laughs> you could argue that, that it was a big factor into that franchise kind of being saved. And so, um, you know, maybe Vin Diesel is just smarter than he looks and he's going, fuck it. You know, <laughs> let's bring in some big names and people that might be able to add to the, the overall this is Vin's baby man this is Vin's baby yeah. and he's not gonna let it go uh not at all and, and I mean what 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 is actually do you remember what happened with the Hobbs and Shaw thing like is the rock and are they are they is he gonna appear in Fast and Furious 9 or have they just basically gone yo you need to fuck off out of Vin's film you got this one Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw 
but here's there's a clear dividing line here. Um, I can't remember what happened there, but what, I can imagine what, what happened was everyone wanted to see a, a spinoff of Hobbs and Shaw, and The Rock obviously made that shit happen. And yeah. I don't think that that was <laughs> I don't think that that was what um, Vin Diesel wanted. And so I don't know what what the you know whether The Rock will be in Fast and Furious Nine. Um, it would be hard to have it without him. I think at this point. Um, but uh, is John yeah. Cena there to fill that void? In your opinion, unlikely. He's a different type. Even though he's a wrestler, he's a different kind of guy. He brings yeah. a different presence to the screen. Yeah, very much so. And he can be quite funny. Like I thought some of his comedic timing in Bumblebee was pretty good. I think he's he's far funnier than The Rock. Yeah, and, me too. Um, but I don't think he has that same level of like kind of menacing that The Rock has. Maybe I just haven't seen it. No, he definitely doesn't. But yeah, and I, I think that that would be something lost. But The Rock doesn't always bring that as well. The Rock well, exactly. Very but like that's that's fun. the whole point is that you know he's kind of like this gentle giant that can yeah that can turn it on. Uh, Every once in a while, so yeah, I just I think it's 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 uh it's interesting. I I I imagine that Vin Diesel is panicking right now. He would have to be, man, because particularly if Hobbs and Shaw does well, it's going to do well. I feel it's mm. going to do solidly well. I don't think it's going to be a runaway success, but I think three, four, five hundred, six hundred million, seven hundred million, eight hundred million, Jeez. nine right, billion, calm down, calm seven down. billion. Do you think it'll eclipse um, Fast Eight? Whatever the most recent. Let's one have was. a look. Which are the f- high, fast and few. it was it was pretty big. It was like a billion. It's box office. Let's have a look. See what the franchise has done. One point. Uh, so fa- fast Furious Seven, one point five billion. Shit, man. Uh, let me just get up the franchise here. Give me two seconds. What's your favorite in this franchise, man? Because you, you're probably you, I think you like this more than I do. Oh yeah, yeah. I have a real soft spot for this. Um, I'm I'm very much a a fast. I think five. So the first one that the Rock came into, which yeah, is where fast I think five. I think that that's where they introduced the kind of more the action. Yeah, it was more the ridiculousness of it. Like it was, you know, it hadn't gone quite full tilt yet, but it was. They clearly made a pivot in the way that they were. Um, approaching the franchise. Yeah, for sure. So top earner Furious 7, 1.5 billion. The Fate of the Furious from 2017, yeah. 1.2 billion. Um, and then overall, uh, this this franchise was brought in 5.1 billion. Yeah, it uh, is not a, a small franchise that's a beast. by any means. Yeah. That's a beast. What's that time? It's trailer time. Yeah, yeah. Should have said that more soft and sultry. It's trailer time. It's trailer time. It's time for trailers. Nope. Yeah? Nope. Yeah? Nope. nope. Huh? First, we have The King's Man. Do you like that, George? Do you like that little clever naming convention to like, make it sound like The King's Man? But it's not. It's The King's Man. It's so good that the word could be separated into two words. And then you add the at the beginning. It's like, fucking prequel, bitch. Yeah, man, this trailer was really shite. Really? Yeah, man. Like, so, I, I can't tell you, like, the war, the trenches, the slow I, motion. No, all right. How much of this Come did you on, hate dude. because you didn't like Golden Circle? And how much did you hate because you genuinely didn't like the actual commercial? I would say 
70 percent because i hated the golden circle <laughs> and 30 percent that i just it's it just seems redundant man and i think ray fine like i'm like you are such a talent why you don't need to do this man like i know you need a few dollars in the bank yeah i i kind of well i like I, I like that he's in this because he is a talent um you know i think that for me there was a lot of talent in the golden the golden compass the golden circle yeah both of those things so i mean you know just the cre- the credentials of the actor yeah i mean it can get you pumped up and whatnot but uh, to be honest man this just doesn't do anything for you no tell me tell me where you're sitting maybe you Look, can you can I, cheat me I up a little bit i thought that the visuals really cool in this trailer um you know it had stylistically it looked really cool it looked a shitload better than the golden circle which to be honest on a just on a visual level looked pretty shockingly bad um so you were liking the sort of the world war to that that sort of aesthetic they were going for um, the trench yeah. warfare yeah it, it looked it looked uh again stylistically it looked really cool um, i thought it looked what pretty... they do with it will be that'll be the interesting part um how they incorporate that into the story but from a from an, a trailer perspective for getting a you know kind of a stylistic understanding of how this movie might play out i think that's kind of cool yeah man you lost me on this one and i look forward to watching the first one again i actually feel like i might put that on sometime soon because i think i need to remember how good it was yeah i've done a rewatch of uh the first one since watching golden Circle. yeah um and i've got to say that you know not too long ago right not too long ago no and 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 the old one it holds up yeah honestly like it's such a samuel jackson's awesome in it I think that uh, I think Benny was the one that was saying that uh, he feels as though the first one would be diminished mm. by the second one. Well, I've forgotten so much of the second one that I don't know how it could be diminished. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, but um, I, I, I don't find that. I, I really, I honestly, I think that the first one stands up as its own film. Um, so in in that vein, I'm I'm willing to give this one a, a shot as well. Yeah, nice one. I'm not. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, are. clearly. There we have um, it. All right. Well, let's let's move on to uh, a trailer called The Hunt. This is a Bloomhouse produced film. Um, we do tend to enjoy our Bloomhouse. They do. Was horror. this Bloomhouse? The Hunt. The Hunt. Yeah, there was. Uh, there's there was a couple- two Bloomhouse this week. There was Bloomhouse Tilt, and there was Bloomhouse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this was kind of like the concept. It was kind of like a wilderness adventure tour package, kind of this emotive commercial. Yeah. And then it does a little twist at the end when they're going hunting humans. Yeah. And, and, and the twist is very much like only like a shot and a half, maybe. I was halfway through this and I was like, what am I watching right now? Like, am I, I watching the I, right I thing? Had a, I had a pretty good suspicion as, mm. as to how this was going to turn mm. out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think this is an interesting concept. I thought the presentation was great. Um, it's captured my intrigue. Um, yeah, I don't know if I always this like concept... when they do a faux commercial. I always like that. Yeah, I don't know if this concept really captures or or interests me that much. It depends on how they do it. Is it about the? Um, is it a, like a Hunger Gamesy thing where we're seeing yeah. one thing happen, or is it more about this ecosystem around it? Yeah, I like. Look, if this turns out to be a bit of like a snuff film type thing, like where if it's just about like how people in the wilderness die because they're being hunted, then I'm not interested that much. Um, it is Blumhouse, so I 
do have this kind of expectation that they're going to do something a little bit more inventive with it. But um, yeah, just on a concept level, I'm not, I'm not hugely intrigued. Yeah, there's enough. not enough in this right now to know exactly what is going yeah, to happen. It's just a teaser, right? Yeah. So it's just meant to drum up interest. And I think this trailer does a really good job of that. It's when, you're right. It's when it gets in that snuff film, that gratuitous violence, that, that uh, hostel, human centipede two kind yeah. of thing. Well, it's not only just, but it's not just the violence. It's just that the point is the violence. And like that kind of becomes a bit, to me, that just becomes a bit boring. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not into it. Uh, it doesn't do much for me. Uh, but listen, I love, especially when it's done to a new level. Damn, that nose sounds bad, man. No, I'm good. Why do you ask? Um, like Battle Royale. Love that movie. It's, the, it's violent. Love it though. And it's not gratuitously <laughs> violent, I don't think. It's, it's stylistically not violent. Not memory, no. Stylistically violent. But I, I remember watching the original <laughs> Battle Royale and then the there was at least one. like six movies after that that had the exact same concept. Hunger Games. Um, Hunger Games had enough about it that that I think it escaped the trope of that movie. Everyone compares and says how Hunger Games is a ripoff of Battle Royale. There, there are other movies that are, are closer ripoffs. Can than, you name them? Uh, <laughs> on this live recording. Yeah, <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> no, I honestly can't remember the names of them. Do you know why? Because it's the fucking Hunger Games, bro. No, well, oh. all right, here, here's the main <laughs> difference. The Hunger Games is as, as much about... I can't believe I'm defending the Hunger Games. Um, it's about Katniss and the um, three fingers. It is a. It is as much, if not more, about the world around that as it is about the actual games, and that is what will make this one interesting. Um, if if it's just about the, uh, a game where someone hunts a human, not interested. But if it's around what kind of world has developed that that's something that's allowed or. You know, how does that fit into the world we live in or something like that? That's interesting. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. You know, I'll let, uh, you know, I'll just let that one go. Yeah. I'll yeah. let that very, one go Very today. kind of you. Very yeah. kind of you. Yeah. I'll let that one go. <laughs> um, third on our trailer list, we've got Don't Let Go. No, this is Blumhouse Tilt. This is Blumhouse Tilt. Um, this is a, this is about a, a guy that seems to, uh, how would you describe it? He, he his niece dies, and then um, he gets a call from her two weeks in the past, um, and he realizes that this he has a chance to save his niece's life. I'm liking that Blumhouse is expanding beyond horror, uh, and I think a close relation to horror is thriller, and they it going down that path. I think this is awesome. I love a good thriller. Love this time loop concept. Yeah, it's a cool concept. See, this this is a concept that really kind of interests mm. me a little bit, um, and uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how they um, how they structure it as well. Because you know, there's a whole bunch of options when you talk about time travel. Whether this is is he you know protecting or is is he helping a, a niece in a different timeline? Is he presumably going to change the present? You know. That kind of stuff, and you know, uh, uh, let's let's put a prediction in here. He's going to kill the niece, and that's the loop, bro. That's the. How loop. would that work? Don't know. He isn't traveling in time. He's calling someone in the he past. He is the niece. So presumably, he oh. will always he will always be two weeks ahead of her. He will be. So how he will would be. he? 
No? <laughs> no. He's the niece. They all want. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. We're going with a, a bit of a, um, uh, oh, fuck, what is it called? Predestination yes. vibe. Oh, that's a killer movie. Right. If you guys haven't seen Predestination, do us a favor. Watch this that is, movie. We've recommended this before. And there's been a bunch of people that have hit us up and said, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Honestly, this is is actually a, a movie that is worth watching that probably wouldn't have gotten an awful lot of hype. Yeah. What is it got? Ethan Hawke in it? Yes. Little, and the Spirit Spurious, Brothers. Spurious, I was going to say Spurious, Spurious. Brothers. Spurious Brothers. <laughs> the, nefarious okay. Brothers. Let's finish up with question of the week. We've got an awesome one from our boy, Dom. And I'm going to say your name, last name wrong, man. Bufadeki. No, it's a Bufadeshi. Bufadeshi. <laughs> and with the hand gesture as well, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, question here. How do you think Marvel will introduce the Fantastic Four and the rest of the Sony-owned characters? Let's, make, let's just change that to Fox because Disney owns Fox, not Sony. So I think that's an important thing to, to bring in here. Um, and Fantastic Four was owned, owned by, by Fox. Fox as well, yeah. 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 Along with the X-Men. So yes, Sony I'm assuming owns... that he means, uh, Don, that you mean Fox. Yeah. Um, this is something that we have talked about a little bit. Um, I think that they will do it sparingly. Um, I'm particularly with the X-Men. That's a long way off. That's a long way off, and honestly, I I have no idea how they're going to actually do that because the whole X-Men storyline thing, the whole, you know, I guess, point of it, not the point of it, but one of the key things is that mutants and, and, and all that have been known to the world for quite a while. Um, and in the MCU, mutants have never been mentioned before, so... That poses a little bit of a problem for them bringing them them into the universe. In they terms can, they, of, there's a lot of ways they can work around that. I mean, sorta, but not really. Like they could they could just have them have been secret, and this is when they find out about them. Yep. But that doesn't that kind of takes away a major part of what the X Men are. Yeah, they're they're gonna like the societal level at which the old ones were examining. You know. Um, Different types, like it was about prejudice, essentially. Yeah, it was basically exactly. a thinly veiled um, commentary on racism. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think the MCU will necessarily want to dip their toes too heavily into those kind of uh, ID idea baskets because why? You know, they want to keep it pretty vanilla. It's Disney, you know, like they don't I mean, want they, to really they, bring in. Ne- they haven't really been um, too afraid to jump into that basket so far. Like with what? Captain Marvel. Uh, can you expand on that a bit? Like, what, from what angle do you mean? Well, um, the MCU like what, what is, has what does Captain Marvel examine about, in terms of like oh, uh, sexism, pre- uh, prejudice against women? Well, I mean, yeah, and they're, they're not too subtle about it either. Yeah, and, yeah, and and to that that fact that they marketed, but I feel like they thinly veiled, um, thinly veiled compared to how the X Men approached not it. Not thinly veiled, thinly they, veiled, they have, as in like nothing... it wasn't interwoven into the story. It was yes, like it a was. little conversation. No, okay, stop it. No, it was very much woven into the story and very much woven into the marketing. Um, same with uh, Black Panther, and I'm not like I'm not making a value judgment on good, bad, or indifferent. Um, I'm just saying that they they have not hesitated to wade into those waters. I just so I don't, don't, I don't think, see why they would stop with that. 
Yeah. I, I guess from my perspective, I'm just thinking like Disney, you know, they're not going to open like when, when, when these conversations happen, like Black Panther, for example, like what conversations really spurred from that? It was like, no, like finally we've got a black superhero. We've got an a, a African, um, you know, we've got a, the location is Africa. Like th- this is this, like that's the conversation from it. It wasn't like a examination of uh, okay, racism or like, something. Yeah. But I mean, the original. So it's thinly veiled. I mean, like, yeah, it's there for sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's... it's in the marketing, but it's not like I felt like the X Men. That's what X Men is. It's it's a thinly veiled commentary. No, but I think it's like it's more in in, in integral in the story. Like Magneto's um, all of his mindset and all of the things that inform his character mm. and his decisions are that fact that he's a minority or he's he's yeah. he's got that chip on his shoulder. Yeah. So like and, I and can't to be honest, see- I think the MCU might even be able to to this is this is the problem. That would not that kind of storyline could I think could be really interesting um in going into phase four, particularly with the ending of um the most recent Spider-Man film. Mm. I think that we could start looking at um, you know, some interesting um uh, some interesting ways in which superheroes are viewed and and particularly with the um i think it was who was it it was feige that was saying that the majority of uh phase four will be happening out in space yeah um so i think there's some interesting things you could do with with how um superheroes are viewed back on earth um so yeah i I don't think that there's any problem with with that concept the problem that i find is that they just how do they weave them in and more to the point about like how would they do because the actual question was fantastic four yeah um, fantastic four um that's a yeah. tough one to get right man yeah that's that it that is genuinely a tough one like that that feels like the fantastic force always Cursed. felt like <laughs> that really 1950s 1960s kind of superhero and how do you bring how do you update that yeah. you know i thought that captain america kind of felt in that basket they managed to make that work i thought captain america is the most boring generic bland yeah, and they they managed to make him interesting. So I think one of the can main they do things, it with these guys? Yeah, I think one of the main things that they will do, if I think one of the main things that they should do at least, is not have their adversary be Doctor Doom. Um, Differentiate. Yeah, or you know, come at it from a little bit of a different angle because people don't want to watch the exact same film that they watched twice before, and you know, Feige. I think Feige's pretty good with that kind of stuff. Yes, he. I mean. Faith and Foggy type shit. Yeah, so, um, FIF. Yeah. Um, did you see Fan Stick? No. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, like that. That's just top of mind for me right now. And uh, the front half was so good, you can kind of make it work. But then, how do you make it into a complete narrative? That's where that film struggled. So I don't know. Fantastic Four, man. That's a real tough one. And if they can do that right, that'll be an absolute miracle. I feel. Yeah, that'll be the pin. That's that's when Marvel knows that they've they've, they've done it. They've done like it. They've they've cracked the code officially. Um, as a kind of a side note, if Sony were to give up all the rights to Marvel characters, like all Venom and yeah, yeah, do you think that we'd start seeing more integration of kind of like the Spider-Man universe? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I get mean, Venom. Yeah, but it would be like, how would they would they reboot Venom? Like, would Tom yeah. Hardy be in the MCU? Yeah. I, I honestly don't think that that Venom movie has any place in the MCU. <laughs> it doesn't. That would immediately be my worst MCU worst film. 
no, if I had to rank all the MCU films that I've seen, that would immediately be on the last. Like that would be the that would be below the, the Incredible Hulk. Yep. Wow. Why? I can't describe how much I found that movie to be a disappointment. I mean, I found it an appointment. Um, you guys are, are so much more lenient on that film. I'm, I'm a lot and more I, lenient. And I think that, that I'm, part of my strident, I won't say hate of that film, I'd say <laughs> my uh, disappointment of that film is because you seem to like it so much. I'm like, I don't understand this. Well, I've only seen it, it once. Uh, and it, I don't know, I just had enough of a personality to cut through from all the noise. Yeah, but not just like people say, <laughs> people can have shit personalities. <laughs> like just saying it has a personality okay great <laughs> oh yeah but i think when i say it has a personality i mean it has a, a distinct personality and a fun personality and something that gets yeah, you my have attention. to put a descriptor beforehand yeah. otherwise it's just saying yeah. <laughs> well you know um it's sort of that's the, the the expression but um yeah yeah you know maybe i should watch it again and maybe i'll i'll i'll, I'll have a different opinion but yeah six out of ten seven out of ten nothing crazy Anyway, listen, Fantastic Four, it's going to be tough. We'll see if it happens. Thanks for your question, Dom. We didn't actually really answer about how they would introduce. We've just said that it's tough. <laughs> I don't know how. Like how, I mean, they're scientists, so you've got to come at it from more of that Iron Man, uh, like tech-based. And well, it's tough. It's just like stretchy guy in the MCU. Like I can't, I just can't really see it's it. It's a bit too much of a ridiculous power. I can't power. see it. I, I, don't, I don't know how that works. I really yeah. don't know how that works. They might just not do it. They might just just, just fuck it off. I'd say. Yeah, I, and I look. I think they have to be willing to do that. I think they should do that. I think that's the yeah. best way forward, folks. If you got a question for us, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We love hearing from you guys. And uh, next week, Benny's back in the hot seat. Don't forget to check out our Lion King review which is up right about now it's been a pleasure connor we'll see you then as always see you folks